From Relay FM, this is Connected, episode number 35. Today's show is brought to you by lynda.com, where you can instantly stream thousands of courses created by industry experts. PDF Pen Scan Plus from Smile, the app for mobile scanning and OCR, and Wealthfront, the automated investment service that makes it easy to invest your money the right way. My name is Mike Hurley, and I am joined, as always, by Mr. Federico Vatici. Hello, Michael. How are you, Federico? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. I'm very well indeed. And I'm also here with Mr. Stephen Hackett. Hello, Stephen Hackett. Hello, Mike Hurley. You you didn't do the titles. We were so formal there for a couple episodes, and now we're just back to those yeah. guys to do a podcast with. Okay, I'll go back. With the editor-in-chief of MaxStories.net, Mr. Federico Vitici. Good evening, Federico. How do you do? Yeah, that's better. Um, hi. And I'm also here with uh, the managing director of 512pixels.net, <laughs> the one and only Mr. Stephen Hackett. Hey. And uh, we're also joined by a media conglomerate owner of Six Colors and the Incomparable and the host of Upgrading Clockwise on Relay FM, our special guest this week, Mr. Jason Snell. You're fired. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Jason. How are you? Hi, Mike. How's it going? Good. Is it safe to say Connected has been upgraded this <laughs> week? No. Oh, my God. <laughs> You're definitely fired again. <laughs> wow. I stand by my previous comment. <laughs> I'm just trying to get everybody to fire me, basically. Federico, you're next. So we have Jason today um, because we want to talk about photos. And as I was preparing this episode, I realized just how little I know about it. So <laughs> we're going to go for just to try and understand uh, exactly what's going on with the Photos app. Um, but I believe that we have before that some a, a tiny, tiny piece of follow up and two tiny, tiny topics. That's uh, that's correct. Tiny is the a good word for the the pre-topic part of the show today. Um we spoke, I guess, several weeks ago about HBO uh, Now coming to the Apple TV, and we speculated that, you know, hey, Tim Cook was basically an HBO like ad guy for a little while during their event. Maybe, you know, what's the what's the business deal there? Um, and an article came out this week saying that Apple is taking a fifteen percent cut of Apple TV apps, uh, not just HBO Now, but possibly others, which is, of course, is is less, you know. When you're doing an app, it's 30%. This is 15%. Seems like a, a concession that they could, uh, they you know, could make for guys like HBO, you know, these big media companies. So that it feels like they gave away an awful lot, then. Uh, I mean, yeah, I think so. But if they want to make their box more valuable and they want to uh, sell more of them, you know, maybe it's. They figure they can make it up, or maybe they, they view it as an investment as opposed to like a business model for the Apple TV itself. Hmm. I don't know. What do you guys think? I have no thoughts on American television. So hmm. uh, I trust what Mike says. That's my opinion. <laughs> I don't know anything about American television either. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, Jason then. Yeah, um, Jason, you watch the TV. You are American. I'm American. I have seen a, a television. I own a television. Mm-hmm. What would you like to know? <laughs> how does it work? I, it's too complicated to explain how it works. It's a mess. Yeah. It's a mess. And, and it's getting better. I feel like this is the year where where there's been at least a little bit of a breakthrough with the HBO Now stuff and with the Sling stuff of making it 
uh, over the top kind of video, which means like not through a cable provider uh, possible anyway. I don't think it's going to save anybody any money in the long run, but I do think it's going to change, you know, people's options. I just wonder what it was that pushed this to 15% rather than 30%. Like, I, I just, I, it's interesting to think what, what led to that happening because surely Apple would want to take 30%, but clearly they've not been able to. I assume that maybe it's one of those situations where, like, Apple maybe needs the media companies more than the media companies need Apple. I don't know. Yeah, that's that's sort of my general thought. So, I guess we'll see. Yeah, I I think I think the HBO uh, Apple TV deal was good for everybody though, because like with HBO it metered demand because you had to use iOS or Apple TV in order to get it. Um, and it was so it was good for Apple as publicity for their for their platform, uh, and it was good for HBO because they got to try this stuff out without it being like literally day one everybody gets it, and I think that's good. And in three months, everybody will get it, and it will be on every device you own. You know, we'll be capable of doing HBO now. Hmm. Well, it's Game of Thrones on your watch as you're walking down the street. Mm-hmm. What could go wrong? No, it'd be, it'd be fine. Oh, guys, can I can I tell you uh, before we move on to topics another little uh, shame secret of mine? I've never watched Game of Thrones. <laughs> Along with me, I've never watched Game of Thrones. Oh yes, finally, Mike. Thank you for being different with me. And that was one of those things where I'm like, yeah, I know people say it's good, but now I kind of just don't want to watch it. Yeah. And you can send an email to Stephen about this, by the way. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll, as usual, please email Stephen about the stuff that Mike and I get, get wrong. Uh, he really appreciates the feedback. I haven't watched it either. So, I don't know. Oh, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Like we just disappointed our father. <laughs> Shame. You need to watch the show with the with the 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 murders and the naked people. <laughs> Come on, it's fun. Does it mean we cannot eat dinner tonight, Jason? <laughs> Go to your uh, room. Not, yeah, you can't you can't eat dinner until you watch TV. I think that's backward from mm. what it's supposed to be. Yeah, it's it's different. California is a California is a crazy place. Yeah, it's true. Upside down. So, topic zero. Today, uh, as we record this, April fourteenth, uh, Apple announced WWDC second week or uh, second week of June, right? So June, the week of June eighth or sixth, or you know, sometime in there. Um, we're going. I'm going. Mm-hmm. Mike, you're going. Mm-hmm. Jason, you live down the street, so <laughs> you'll be I, there. I I will be. Yes, I've made my reservations for WWDC, which is that I'm going to be at my house and then come into the city. That sounds Ooh, like it's a uh, travel plans. Uh, difficult. Yeah, fancy. Are you gonna be okay? Pack pack a lunch. <laughs> it, it, this is actually I, I really love it because uh, everybody I uh, everybody I know comes to uh, comes to visit for a week. It's pretty uh, pretty sweet. Right. So it's it's the same as last year, right? It's a uh, a lottery. So you enter and then uh, is it a change this year that if you if you are picked that you are immediately charged that it's not an option to buy. It's that if you win the lottery you get charged for a ticket is that is that a change from from last time do you guys know yeah well from what i've seen on twitter anyway it's different so what it seems like it's maybe that apple is trying to stop people from applying multiple times because otherwise you end up with multiple tickets if you get more than one right suddenly you get charged 30 grand on your credit card yeah which is which is not Not, ideal not good it's not good 
Um, and also yeah. they're going all the way through to Friday with sessions this time. I, I saw that. So generally people, you know, kind of winds down like Friday morning. There might be a few sessions, but then people are kind of heading out. And then now a lot, of, a lot of our friends are staying through till Saturday um, just to make sure they hit those those Friday sessions. Another nice change, they are streaming live all the sessions. So a long time ago, you, you used I don't to have think to wait. It's all of the sessions. I don't think it's all of them. Mm. I, I think it's select sessions. Okay, so but so a long time ago, you used to have to wait weeks and weeks for the yeah. videos. Sometimes like a month or two. Um, now the last couple of years, they've streamed the so the so WC opens with a public keynote, and then the rest of it's behind the developer NDA. But if you were a registered developer, you could download the iOS app and and watch the session videos there. And at least the last couple of years, those videos have been available really quickly. So I know that. My yeah. sort of ritual is to watch the uh, platform State of the Union, which is like the the afternoon, sort of unpack the keynote a little bit more. Um, I tend to watch that first, like on the airplane back, and you know I can just download it on my iPad and watch it. So this time it seems like the you know maybe not all, but at least select will be streaming uh, at the same time, which is really great, right? Like it really stinks to be at a disadvantage because you couldn't go, uh, especially now that it's lottery, right? It's like kind of unfair if you can't get this, you know, your competition is there and you're not, and you're not getting the information you need to be relevant. Yeah, we'll be live streaming select sessions daily and posting videos of all sessions throughout the week of the conference. You can watch on the web or in the WWDC app. Sweet. That'll be fun. Um, It's always a good time. What do you guys think of the crazy speculation on the invitations? Uh, that there's uh, an Apple TV in the middle. Oh, there's going to um, be a round watch as well. Like there's going to obvious. be a round watch. There's going to be. I, I tell you what, that those are going to be all Moto 360s being, you know, gifted to people who go to WWDC for free. It's because uh, Google Now is coming to iOS. You know, they're just embracing it. So. <laughs> just giving away those those units left in the in the warehouse, probably. Can, wow. Guys, can I start a can I start a rumor? Yes. Uh, this, yes. I want I want this yes. to be my rumor. There's going to be popsicles in all of those flavors <laughs> at WWDC instead of the juice. This is the yeah. instead of the IMAX. <laughs> there'll be there'll be like an orange round popsicle and like a, a like a cherry uh, square popsicle or like can a, you a, can yeah. you imagine the the headlines uh, popsicles rumored to be at WWDC <laughs> according to well connected Apple blogger? Okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> We should That's move on. I mean, yeah. <laughs> well, uh, so, I mean, the art's in line with what they've done the last couple of years. Um, I, for one, just like, yes, Apple's almost clever with this stuff, but like, it seems like a big waste of time to, like, Apple's not going to hide their secret announcement in, like, the logo. I mean, they hint at it sometimes, but like, maybe we should all just move on with our lives and just not worry about it. It's my two cents. That's really sad. By the way, <laughs> it's, it's just, just, I, I, just <laughs> I just I skip over every blog post about it because it's just dumb. Like, no, cool. They they have some like transparent shapes. Like Apple does things <laughs> with shapes and color and transparency. Cool. You're like, so cynical. You don't want to see on. the magic in the shapes. Wow. Come on, Steven. Wow. You gotta see the the wonder in the invitations. I don't you approve really of them having eight colors, though. Too, too, too <laughs> many. Come on, guys. 
Hmm. But it's, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's obviously, it's the round rect of like uh, iOS apps and it's the, the little circles of the watch apps, right? Right? Yeah. Yeah, or the iPod Nano apps, like the joke I made in Slack earlier. <laughs> yeah, so, totally. So it's it's a SDK for the iPod Nano. That's the second rumor. Can you imagine day. that? That yeah, we're opening up uh, app development on one of our other platforms. Everybody goes, "Woo!" It's the iPod Nano. <laughs> cricket, cricket, crickets. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fist pump guy just walks slowly out of the out of the auditorium. Uh, so you know. I think we're going to unpack more WDC stuff over the coming weeks. Clearly, we're going to see watch stuff. Um, but the big news with the watch right now is that pre-orders opened up the end of last week after we recorded. And uh, I know several of us, or not, if not all of us, pre-ordered. So did you guys get what you want? Are you happy with what you pre-ordered? Et cetera, et cetera. Um, I'm not sure, personally, because uh, the website was in German. So I'm pretty sure that I managed to get an order in, uh, but I don't know uh, German myself. So I think it's saying that my my watch pre-order is processing and that my money still hasn't been taken from my credit card. Yeah, that's uh, mine hasn't been taken yet either, so don't worry about that. But Okay. They, they so, usually yeah. don't take the money until it dispatches, I think, or just before it dispatches. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Do you have a mic? Do you have any like? There's a bunch of steps in the in the in the in the order web page on your account. Are you stuck on step two? Um, I'm gonna say yes. You don't know? Not off the top of my head. What no. does step two I mean? Check. <laughs> I, uh, I think it's processing. Uh, step two is processing. Yes. Have you not just run like a Google Translate on the page? Oh, yeah, but sometimes, you know, it's like I don't don't want to run Google Translate because it's too much work. So I just try to guess what, what it means. Well, I mean, if you open <laughs> Chrome, it would just translate automatically for you. Uh, yeah, but it's just, you know, I just open the website, then I look at German words. And, you know, I kind of I kind of wanted to have some kind of learning exercise to, to learn a few German words. So now I know how to say shipment. I know how to say <laughs> order, you know. I feel By the like way, it's... There... it's it's not a multi-step process in any of the other countries. It's only in Apple Germany that does that because they really like steps in German. Yeah. So there's many, I apologize. Many is that racist? <laughs> <laughs> it's German jokes. You know, these are the German. Yeah. I love, I, I actually, that was my language in school was German. So I, I could probably translate badly for for you, but I think you, you guys should figure it out. You guys should FaceTime each other so you could read it through his camera to your <laughs> oh, phone. Exciting. That's the future of language. Federico, I am on the second step, processing items. See? Told yeah. you there, there were gonna be steps. Mine mm-hmm. mine is as well. Although I ordered a second I ordered a second charger with a longer cable and it is it's got a ship date of like before before the watch. That's gonna be a little depressing to have the charger and not be able to hook it up to anything. But um anyways, anything else on, on watch stuff? It's exciting. Well, the Apple is showing the the watch in Milan this week on Friday, mm-hmm. at a, I think at some kind of a conference about design and furniture. Um, I saw there was a, like a, uh, on Twitter an article about this on a website called uh, Wallpaper or something. There was also a comment by Johnny Ive about this conference in Milan. Uh, I won't be able to go to Milan in, with such 
short notice. And also, I've already tried the watch, so it's not like I'm, I'm like I need to go there. You know, I'm just waiting. If Apple comes to Rome eventually, I suppose they will. I'll go see the watch in Rome. Otherwise, I'll just wait for my German watch to to come to me, or I'll wait for you know <laughs> the Italian launch date, which we still don't know anything about. Uh, it's kind of sad, but you know, Italy. That's how it works. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry to hear that, Federico. Yeah, we're not we're not first at anything besides you know food, but that's not. Uh, again, this is another discussion. Don't don't make me talk about the state of Italy. It's really just sad. Uh, can we move on? Of course we can. <laughs> Thank you. We have Jason with us to talk about photos today, so so let's get right to that. Just first, allow me to thank our first sponsor this week, and that's our friends over at lynda.com, the online learning platform with over 3,000 on-demand video courses to help you strengthen your business, technology, and creative skills. For a free 10-day trial, visit lynda.com, that's L-Y-N-D-A.com slash connected. Lynda.com is for people that want to learn awesome stuff. It's for people that want to solve problems it's for people that are curious to learn new things these things can come from you know maybe you want to learn excel you want to understand how to finally get all of your finances in order by using excel maybe you want to understand a little bit about xcode we're running up to wwdc now so maybe you're interested in maybe getting a, a start in apple development before all the new apis come out or maybe you want to refresh yourself in some i don't know maybe you want to get started with swift um, Lynda.com has courses on all of that stuff as well. But maybe you want to build a website. Maybe you want to boost your Photoshop skills. Maybe you want to learn how to use Adobe Illustrator. Uh, maybe you want to look at stuff like that for web design. Maybe you want to learn wireframing. Lynda.com has everything. They can help you feed your curious mind. Woodland.com, once you've found the sorts of things that you want to watch, you've maybe picked out a couple of different videos. You'll be able to watch these videos, then they'll be presented to you by people that are total experts who are really passionate about teaching. So you're going to come away from it with the best care possible. You can stream thousands of these courses. They have just so many, so many videos, and they will allow you to learn at your own schedule, at your own pace. You can watch from whenever you want, wherever you want. They have great apps for iOS and Android, as well as being able to watch on the web. And you can also, you can create and save playlists, and you can chop them up into different chunks and put them in any order that you want you can create your own little syllabus if you like that you can share with colleagues friends co-workers that kind of thing as well um, and when you're watching around on the web you can browse each course transcript as well so this can help you follow along if you're the type of person that likes to read um, as you're listening you know maybe that's the type of learner that you are but also you can search these transcripts and then it, you can pop to any point in the video to search for an answer or just to give yourself a refresher on a course that you may have watched Linda.com's platform is absolutely fantastic and your membership will give you unlimited access to training on hundreds of topics for just one flat rate. Whether you're looking to become an industry expert, you're passionate about a hobby, or you just want to learn something new, go right now to lynda.com, that's L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash connected, and sign up for your free 10-day trial. Thank you so much, Linda, for the continued support of this show and Relay FM. So, Mr. Jason Snell, um, I will introduce you again. At this point, hello, hello. Um, you are writing a book about photos. Is is that correct? I am. I uh, I've written about half of it, and in this funny way that the internet works, um, I'm writing it for for Adam and Tanya Angst to do take control and you know tidbits, and uh, they've got this whole take control ebook series, and so they said, "Would you like to write this book about photos?" And I said, "Sure." And what happened is I wrote about half of it, 
And um, they said, tell you what, we're going to release the first half and charge people for it and then tell them that in a month or so they can get the rest of it. And I said, okay, you, you, you know, you guys know best. So technically it's for sale. And the way I've been phrasing it is sort of a pre-order where you get the first half of the book. But technically, yeah, you can buy the book right now, even though I can tell you that um, less than half now, but there's a big chunk of it that I just haven't written yet. I'm writing over the next week or two. It's weird. That's the internet. So it's like the it's like the last Harry Potter movie. It's in two. It's in parts. two parts. You'll you'll be able to do. I mean, you don't have to pay twice though. You just you pay once, and then there'll be an update, and everybody will get the update. But it is nice. a little weird because now I'm committed. Like people have bought the book, so I can't say, well, I'm just not gonna. I mean, I, I wasn't gonna <laughs> do that. But it's like people have bought the book now. They they have invested in the those chapters that I haven't written yet. So I need to. I need to do that. So I'm I'm in I'm deep in on writing this uh, book about photos. Yeah, I really love the description, like uh, on on the on the take control page. That Jason answers a bunch of burning questions, including where's the sidebar. <laughs> I just like yeah. that. Like, uh, what's the deal with favorites? I just yeah. I, I can imagine that's like a Jason Snow miniseries. Yeah. Hey, favorites! What what are they all about? Yeah, <laughs> what's the deal with favorites? Um, wow. so. You know, you have quite literally written the book, or half yeah, of the book. Or, or, or yeah, I have written half the book on this subject. <laughs> so I guess, uh-huh. you know, I, I can see from their perspective, they probably wanted to get it out because Photos is now out, right? It, yeah, they, they, they did it about a week or two before Photos came out, and it, it has something to do with their production schedule and that they felt there was a lot of interest in Photos and people were asking questions. And in some other context, you might have just put it up for pre-order. But since they had half the book, which was a lot of introductory material, they thought, why not just offer, you know, offer that now if people want to buy it now, and then we'll just do the rest of the book when it's ready. Yeah, that's way better than a pre-order because you can actually start working through some of it. Um, And I'd like to think that, you know, part of the bit that people are getting is like the setup process. They're not like getting the end bit, you know. Right, right. Yeah, it's it's a lot of the intro. I mean, it, essentially, it is the first half of the book. It's not like scattered throughout, and so it's it's more introductory and set up stuff. So when I was planning out this episode, um, I kind of realized how little I personally know about the Photos app. It's kind of been one of those things I knew it's coming, and then I kind of forgot about it for a while. Um, and then it's just been one of those things where it's like, I, I know it's there, but that fundamentally I don't know a lot, of, a lot about it. So I want to ask some basic questions of you, and then maybe we've also had some listener questions as well for some more specific things. But what is photos.app like and why is it different to iPhoto or Aperture? Well, Apple announced it last year and said it was the successor to iPhoto. And then uh, like a month later they they didn't even release a press release. They actually they actually called me and said, "We want to tell you something about Aperture." <laughs> <laughs> which was it's going to go away and photos is the replacement for aperture as well um so that that's how apple has pitched it at least pitched it last year looking at it photos is iphoto re redone it's essentially like a, a new version a rewritten version of iphoto i'm a little surprised they didn't just call it iphoto x you know iphoto 10 but i think they're trying to get away from the i whatever so it's just photos app but it, it is very much a rethinking of iPhoto and it's got some new features and it's got some features that are removed. It's not really a replacement for Aperture, although they say that and it will import Aperture libraries because a lot of the the super fiddly tech technical um, professional-ish features of Aperture just aren't in it. 
So it's very much a kind of like next generation iPhoto. So whilst it doesn't replace Aperture, Aperture is dying, right? At the same yeah, time. Yeah, they're not they're not updating it anymore. They said that they would update it uh, for any compatibility reasons with Yosemite, which they did, I believe, and that's it. So people um the way i've been phrasing it and it's actually in the book i phrase it this way it's a little bit like when final cut did final cut 10 um the old version of final cut didn't um stop working you could still use it people were up in arms about how little final cut pro 10 did um and then over time apple added in more stuff i think that is the at least the hope that aperture users could have about photos is that since apple has said this is a follow on for aperture as well maybe what will happen is that in the next year we'll see them add some more aperture like features to photos it's possible that they'll do that it's just not there right now right now it's much it's a much simpler kind of app it's very much in line with what you'd expect out of iphoto right and you know aperture's going away shouldn't it be all that surprising I mean, rumors from way back in the day of like around like version 1.5 and like a long time ago rumors that, you know, Apple had blown up the Aperture team and that it was going to go away. And and even in this transition, they're they're pointing people to Lightroom, right? Like I think even uh, Apple has said to customers that, you know, Lightroom is kind of the way forward if you're looking for something more professional. Um, and, I, you know, I do wonder, are they going to bring some of that stuff down? Because the reality is photos, especially in the editing tools like yes it is not as robust as aperture clearly but for a lot of people it's definitely powerful enough and so i wonder if they're just going to aim for like the middle you know 70 or 80 percent of people and just let adobe take the high end Uh, i don't know if they see it as a worthwhile investment to bring something like aperture back i agree i I, and i i that's why i am a little bit baffled about their statement that you know photos is for both iPhoto and Aperture users that they made last summer. And, you know, they haven't talked about it since then. So, you know, we'll see. You could theoretically through extensions in Yosemite, you could do more uh, with it or they could add features to it. But I I, I kind of agree that for most people, uh, this is all you're going to need. And does Apple even want to chase that extra stuff or do they want to just say look there are other apps out there that'll do a better job if you really wanted to do more i mean it doesn't do it would be nice if it did something like supported an external editor so that you could edit it in one of those tools you could edit something in photoshop and then bring it back in when you were done and it doesn't even do that now so there's some features they could add that basically said look it's open now you can add other stuff to it you know but we're not going to do that but it doesn't even do that you also can't even and this is an iPhoto feature you can't do um you can't add geotagging to photos after the fact in photos um you can't like take a bunch of photos that you took with some device some camera that doesn't have gps stuff and then like put it on a map and say this is where i took those pictures doesn't do it it's just gone so they've got a bunch of things that they need to bring back even from even from iphoto but uh they could do something like edit an external editor feature that would be you know it would not be aperture but at least it would let you use other people's apps who want to do things that are more fancy than what they're ever going to do inside of photos right i mean they already have that on ios with iOS 8, you know, with photo extensions was like one of those key things they brought up and, um, you know, you have something in the camera roll and, or in the photos app and, you know, pull in editing tools from another application and all that, you know, all that hardware or hardware, all those hard connections and stuff like that's all wired into to Yosemite as well. So I hope you're right that some uh, developers, if not Apple, some third-party developers 
take advantage of that. Cause, you know, you could see photos kind of become this hub of, of all these other tools and utilities that you can use as needed. Not unlike something like Photoshop and Bridge where you can go out and, and buy plugins that give you more functionality. It would be nice to see photos sort of grow up a little bit. Because it, it's weird, right? Because photos is a 1.0 as it stands today, but it's really not because iPhoto is a decade old. So, you know, it ha- for me at least there's this tension of this is something new, but something that also is very not new at the same time. And so something like the GPS tagging is like, well, why is that gone? Like you already had it working. Um, so hopefully they'll just be rapid like they have been on Final Cut Pro 10 to get this stuff back in in the subsequent months. Yeah, it feels like they wrote they rewrote it. I mean, it feels like this is a, much more of a 1.0, and they were targeting a, a you know a certain set of features. But it feels if they didn't rewrite it, um, they certainly did a lot of work that feels yeah. new because it's so much faster than iPhoto was. Yeah, it's well, and it, it doesn't shocking. make your fan start up the second you open it. I mean, iPhoto right. really there the last couple of years performance kind of fell off a cliff. I mean, I've got. Um, 70 gigs of photos in, in the photos app and you know on a MacBook pro i can just scroll through it and occasionally i catch it drawing thumbnails but most of the time it's just really smooth and really quick which is is quite impressive uh and i'm sure 70 gigs is not even the biggest you could go and, and it still be that way so how does um the icloud photo library factor into all of this like are they one and the same thing uh are they separate can you run them separately independently of each other are these kind of like photos on the mac and the icloud photo library all kind of tied in together uh so photos photos can be run without icloud and then it's you know it's very much like iphoto it's a standalone thing it just keeps your photos on your computer you can turn on uh icloud photo sharing which is the feature that was introduced with ios what six, five, Let's go with six. six? Let's go with six. Something like awesome. that, where you can, where you can say, or maybe it was five, where you can say, like, hey, here, here's a a shared album, and we can all put pictures in it. it. It supports that. It supports photo stream, so that it can optionally put, you know, put new photos onto that thousand photo photo stream, and it can also import from the photo stream on devices like iOS devices that are previous to. Um, the OS versions that have supported photo stream or support uh, cloud photo sharing, but they support photo stream. You can still kind of interact with them, even though they can't on older I- versions of iOS, they can't be have access to the whole photo library thing. They can have access to the photo stream part. So it's sort of like a backward compatibility thing. It does that. And then it supports iCloud photo library, which is the big one. That's the one where you, um, it, it, uh, it's uploading your full resolution images, unlike PhotoStream, which I think does a down res, full resolution images into the cloud. Um, you have to pay for storage from Apple, and their rates aren't particularly uh, good compared to a lot of their competitors, but what you get out of it is the integrated in with the OS and with the software. Um, and then uh, you once you've got iCloud Photo Library turned on, you can also do something which is really nice for people who've got Macs with SSDs in them especially. Um, there are two options. You've got downloads ori- download originals to this Mac is an option. And that basically says, look, all my photos are on my hard drive. But they also have this option called Optimize Mac Storage, which is dynamic. It basically says, look, all your photos are in the cloud. They don't have to be on your local hard drive. And I mentioned SSD Max because my photo library is so large that none of the computers that I use or that my wife uses on a on a daily basis have a big enough drive 
to store all our photos. So right now we don't see all our photos unless we want to plug in a really slow USB drive and and use iPhoto, which is even worse, right? It's super slow, <laughs> slow upon slow. Um, and now, <laughs> now I have access to my entire, right now I'm still importing them, but I've got like 36,000 photos that I'm looking at right now in my iPhoto library on my iMac with the SSD. There's no way it could fit all of those and it doesn't have to. So, you know, it's got some of the ones on there and it kind of looks at how much storage space it's using and it can delete as it, as it needs to. But if there's a, a photo that's not on here and I double click on it to look at it, it just downloads it off of iCloud. And then I can do whatever I want and I can edit it and those edits go back to iCloud and the whole thing. How have you found the performance to be on the iOS side? So during the, when it was still in beta, I imported all my stuff out of my crazy Dropbox folder system, turned it on. It took a while to upload, but you know, I've got decent internet at home. It, it took it a couple of days, um, but I could never get my iPad or my phone to see the complete library. Photos would, it would load some of them, but it never seemed to finish. Um, how has your experience been? And that sort of angle, it's it's, it's actually uh, pretty good. I'm, I'm I mean I'm looking at my albums right now on my iPhone, and I've got all the albums. They well not all the albums, smart albums don't sync, <laughs> grr. Uh, but uh, regular albums do. So I've got all of these albums that I created in iPhoto are now listed in the albums view, and I can open any of those up, including the all you know the all photos view with thirty seven thousand pictures or whatever, and um. And it, I think it works pretty well. Um, it does its sort of like summary view where uh, it tries to simplify it. But I, I, I'm, uh, I'm scrolling through on my iPhone 6 right now, and I've, I've got like 2008, 2009, 2010, 2011. I mean, they're, they're all there with all those photos. And if I, if I t- uh, touch and hold, I can do the scrub thing through all of those photos. And, and so, yeah, theoretically, I have access to this entire... Um, this entire library. And if I tap on one of the images, it brings up a low res preview and there's a little uh, clock icon essentially in the corner that uh, sweeps around. And when, when that's done, the full res preview drops in. Yeah. I I do wonder, you know, if it was, I was in a weird time with the beta. Um, The other issue I had with it, I went to go when I, when I was just playing with it, uh, thinking I was going to write about it, I tried turning the iCloud photo library off and then back on, and it, it was mm-hmm. like, well, hey, you know, you've got a mismatch here, and it, it didn't really put them back together very well, and actually had it, like, removing local photos before I caught it, which was uh, stressful. And and uh, so I've got it off still, and I'm not, like, super eager to turn it back on. I feel like it's more solid now. I, I ended up... Um... I had an issue with the beta that uh, it it turned out it was I, I started using the uh, OS ten you know ten point ten point three beta that has the photos in it and so I started uploading like ten thousand or fifteen thousand photos to iCloud and uh, then I I was trying to sync my iPhone and my iPad with movies and stuff for my trip to Europe and it my uh, my iPhone was like yeah I'm out of space and I thought how is that even possible and it was something weird about the iCloud photo library filling the space of the of the phone but once I up, updated to in that case I updated it to the latest uh, 8 8.3 beta and I did the latest version of iTunes and you know I I I once I was all running like the most current stuff it all started to work okay 
And I would say right now, because I'm on the finals of 8.3 and the most recent version of iTunes and the most recent version 10.10.3 of OS 10, now everything seems to work okay. That said, like I've had people ask me, do you trust iCloud to back up your photo library? And so you just don't have that local copy anymore. Uh, you know, I, I, I have a Mac mini that's a server that's got a big hard drive attached to it. And I, I've got it set to download everything. And then I back that up again because I don't want to lose those photos. And I am a little worried that there's going to be some crazy sync problem. But, you know, right now what I've seen is that it's, it's kind of fulfilling its promise that all of a sudden all my, all my devices have access to, at the moment, 36,807 photos and 864 videos. And there's probably another 10,000 that still have to go up. Um, that you know upload very slowly over over time uh but they're all there going going way back and that's that's pretty that's pretty cool that's what i was looking for all along was that ability to see everything instead of you know having to shuttle around a usb drive with a couple different libraries in it because iphoto couldn't handle a library that was big enough to hold all of the pictures and stuff right. like that it it really seems you know in, in your situation where it's all working smoothly it really seems like the fulfillment of what Jobs said when they introduced iCloud that, you know, before, you know, 10 years ago, Digital Hub, the computer was the center and we had all these devices revolving around it. And now the the Mac is just another client and the truth is in the cloud is sort of his, you know, the statement out of that keynote that I remember clearly. It really seems like that, right? That, you know, with iTunes Match, I can have all my music everywhere or you know, let alone any of the third-party streaming services. And now with this, I can have all my photos with me everywhere because this this infrastructure is tying it all together. We're not running around syncing our iPhones over USB anymore, but just magically over the air, I have all my content with me no matter what. And that really, like standing back and looking at this from the outside, that really feels like the future, that I can have all of my albums, all of the pictures of my kids, everything, like just on my phone. I don't have to worry about what I have locally or not anymore. And blurring those lines while scary to a nerd is definitely feels like something from the future. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is the dream, right? I, I Theoretically, I'm living the dream now. I'm paying poten- potentially $20 a month for the privilege because I'm unclear whether I'm going to have 500 gigs or a terabyte of storage that I have that I have to pay for Apple. And I'm not really thrilled about that price, but it's really easy to use. Right now, I would say the big the big place where Apple is falling down here is not in in once you get it up and running. It's that the uploading it is kind of a a pain because Photos tries very hard to upload your library as quickly as it can, and it, and it, and I've heard from a lot of people who thought that their internet was going out, and I thought my internet was going out, and it turned out no, it is uh, Photos is an iCloud really is saturating your connection, mm-hmm. trying to upload all this stuff, and in fact it does it. Even when you're when photos isn't open, it's still doing it in the background, and uh, yeah. the controls you have over it are a pause button that's paused for 24 hours, it's, it's and that's not, the only control. It's not great. <laughs> and it, well, I mean, you think about Backblaze or CrashPlan or something; they'll let you set bandwidth, or it'll try to set the bandwidth dynamically and not eat all your bandwidth, or it'll only yeah. work at night, only work while you're sleeping, or whatever. Only won't work when the computer is idle. And this seems to have none of that. It just takes your whole connection and tries to upload everything yeah. as fast as it can and it, it can be a cpu hog as well i mean i had it several times and i was uploading my initial batch of photos is closed i didn't you know i didn't have it paused go look at activity monitor and not only is it saturating my network connection but it's 
it is destroying my CPU. And uh, I think they, you know, maybe that's better in the final version of 10.10.3, but I think they're going to need to offer, if they're not going to offer more controls over over it, at least make it smarter, where it's like, hey, I'm doing things on my network connection. Hey, I'm doing things to my CPU. Why don't you back off a little bit? You know, something, you know, like Backblazer Crash Plane, you know. Those things even have like, hey, pause for two hours. So I'm recording a podcast. I don't want to back up to the cloud. But you're right. Photos is a pause button, uh, pause for one day. And so I would do that in the morning. And then when I got home, plug my MacBook Pro into power and Ethernet and let it back and let it do its thing overnight when, you know, who cares if it if it saturates the network when everyone's asleep, right? Doesn't matter. Right. Yeah, I, I think I think that's exactly it. So, Jason, what are some of your uh, favorite features and some of your annoyances about photos? Well, uh, so biggest annoyance is, like I said, I think the upload thing needs to be needs to be smarter. Um, and I think the um, what else? I, I I mentioned the GPS thing. I I'm unhappy about the fact that you can't geotag photos once they're in because that essentially means that if you want to have geotagging on your photos from your SLR, you need to download them using image capture and then use a third-party utility that will put GPS data on them uh, or geotag them you know, either arbitrarily by you or using a GPS tracking recording that you made on your iPhone while you were taking the pictures. I mean, there are lots of tools that do that, but you have to do that and then bring them in and then they'll work. Um, so those, those are, I would say, annoyances. Um, I'm annoyed that that smart albums don't sync. Um, I otherwise I'm you know I'm pretty impressed. It's fast. The editing tools are good. They don't have spot editing tools, so I mean the idea that you would edit a, you would edit a, a, a photo and find some um, you know take a brush and do some fine retouching of photos. It's it's just that's sort of not the not the point. That's not what they're that's not what they're doing. And again, I, I'm not sure I mind that. Um but I uh, uh it could be, you know, they they could do a little bit more. I, I want to be mindful of this being a one They could do more, but it's early yet. Um uh, I'm very impressed with how fast it is though. That that really is my the fast the fact that it's fast and it holds my whole library, that's what I was asking for. Everything else is kind of a bonus. I should mention the other thing that is weird is videos because it imports all your videos, but it doesn't really know how to do anything with your videos. So they just sit there. I mean, you can play them. It's not like you can edit them. I'm not sure. You might be able to send them to iMovie or something, but it's not like there's integration there of any kind. And uh, and that's that's weird. It, it supports slow-mo and it'll let you see the slow-mo and all of that. But it's just, it, I, I, I find myself writing the book, writing about like, watching a movie or uh or looking at a photo and it's like i always want to just say your photos are in are in photos but your videos are also in photos but it doesn't really do anything with them that 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 that's a frustration too i'm not quite sure if apple has figured out how to view photos i mean you almost want a videos application that is that is looking at icloud but is not <laughs> uh not focused on photography or integrate that into iPhoto or iMovie somehow, because right now the the videos feel like they're a second class citizen. Mm-hmm. So, so there were some questions that came in from listeners, and quite a few of them are actually we've answered. Well, Jason, you've answered over the course of this, but I have two quick ones, and and they're quite specific. So you may or may not uh, know the answer. So this is from 
uh, friend of the show, Dan Provost, on Twitter. Uh, is there any way to convert flags from Aperture, Aperture's, Aperture sorry, into favorites in iPhotos? Do you know about that at all? Uh, so there's a lot of weird conversion that happens. I think maybe flags come in as favorites. And if they don't, and there's no flag concept in, in photos. Instead, there's a, a heart. So it's a favorites. Um, I think those convert. And if they don't convert to, to favorites, they convert to a keyword. Mostly what they've done, what Apple has done, is tried to save the metadata. And if there's metadata types that they don't support anymore, it's not like they go, get thrown away. They get turned into keywords. So like there, there are no star ratings for photos anymore. You can't rate this is a three, this is a four, this is a five. You can't do it. There's just favorites. But if you have a photo that was rated three stars in iPhoto and you import it, it has a keyword of three stars. And in fact, if you have a smart album that says, show me all the ones that are three stars or above, it will get converted into a smart album that says, show me anything that's got a keyword of three stars or four stars or five stars. It, it does the conversion for you. So I think at the, at, at the worst, what you'd end up with is a flagged keyword and you could find all of the flagged photos and then mark them all as favorite and then you would be there. But I think they may just automatically take flags and turn them into favorites since they're essentially that same concept, which is they're either marked or they're not. And Eddie Lee has asked, can I uninstall iPhoto or delete my iPhoto library after importing? Uh, yes, you can. Um, you know, it... it, it... Deleting the library isn't going to save you a lot of space because the way Apple has done this, and I wrote a thing on Six Colors about this, they're using hard links, um, which basically means Apple didn't want you to have a 500 gigabyte photo library and then install photos and have it say, yay, we, we want to we make a photos library. You'll need another 500 gigs free because who has that, right? So they used hard links, which means that it's, it's. Uh, I think iMovie maybe uses it for something, but it's basically what Time Machine uses to make references that are, are more than just aliases to all of your files. And the end result is that they're able to create a photos library that is essentially referencing the same files as your iPhoto library is. So it doesn't double the disk space that's required. Um, but it's not like an alias where if you delete the old one, the new one breaks. Hard links, if you if you delete or edit one, the other one remains the same. So what that means is if you delete your iPhotos your iPhoto library after you've converted it to a photos library, you won't save a lot of space, actually, but it's safe to do it because your photos library has all that information. So what I'd probably advise is keep iPhoto and the photos library or the iPhoto library around a little bit until you're sure that you're never going to go back to it, and then yeah, it's then it's safe to safe to do it. I should also mention that um, if you want to have multiple iPhoto libraries into one library, um, there are two ways of doing that. One is there's a utility out there that will let you um, that's from Fat Cat Software, I think, that will let you merge iPhoto libraries together. So you would do that first and then migrate them to Photos. You can also use Aperture. Aperture has an import iPhoto library feature, so you can create a new Aperture library and then import all your iPhoto libraries and then open Photos and convert your Aperture library to Photos, and there you've got it. And then the other way to, to merge iPhoto libraries is, um, is to sync them all with iCloud, <laughs> and then they're all in iCloud, and then you've got one big library. So there are ways to do that too. Awesome stuff. Mr. Jason Snell, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks. It was great to talk to you, Federico, most of all. Yeah, my pleasure. 
<laughs> no, I listen. It's just, you know, it's not really for it's me. Max, I mean, next stuff. The photo library stuff is it is cool um that I've got access to all that stuff on iOS too and that it does really work. I open photos up and I I took some pictures at the grocery store earlier today and they're all there and it's all automatic and all my all my uh albums are syncing across and they sync across um uh, between my iPad and my iPhone too. It's that that's all there that's all happening too. It's just that this is the photos.app on the Mac is the Mac version of this same thing that they're trying to get everywhere, right? It's the same icon. You know, it's the same nomenclature. They want this all to be of a kind. And iPhoto was built before they had this concept of the iCloud photo library. So that's what really Photos is about is can we give that experience? The edit screens look a lot like the ones on iOS too. It's really interesting. They're definitely intended to be uh, really familiar for people who are using it, whether it's on the Mac or the iPad or the iPhone. I have just one question for you, Jason. Do you know if the uh, Photos app on the Mac uh, downloads new photos in the background uh, while a Mac is closed? Uh, so a portable Mac. Oh, uh, so like if if it's if it's doing that. Um, What's the name the, of the feature? The, like a nap. Power or, nap. Power, power nap. Na- yeah, yeah, right. Which they they called yeah. they called a dark 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 wake is I think what the technical term is, and the, and then the marketing feature is I think power nap. Um, it's a thing where the lid is closed. I don't know that. Um, I bet it might because it seems to be using the iCloud syncing infrastructure. So if your iCloud documents can sync when the lid is closed, I think the photos can sync too. But I don't I don't know that for sure because I don't know if iCloud is working during that state or not. It definitely works when the, the app is closed because, you know, I've seen that happen where why is my Mac so slow? And it turns out that it's uploading a million photos in the background. But I don't know if if iCloud uh, does its uploads and downloads when uh, you're in that closed, plugged-in state. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Okay. Right. So, Jason, where can people uh, find you and find the the book that you've written and that kind of stuff? Sure. Uh, you can find me on sixcolors.com. You can find me on fine Relay FM podcasts such as Clockwise and Upgrade with Mike Hurley. Hello. And uh, my book is available at takecontrolbooks.com. It's called Photos for Mac, a Take Control Crash Course. Excellent stuff. Thank you for joining us today, sir. Thanks. I love your show, and I'm honored to have been on it again. Anytime. Goodbye. Goodbye, Jason. Bye, Jason. Bye, Jason. Right, shall I do our second ad and and then we jump into some other stuff that we want to talk about today? Yes. This week's episode is brought to you by PDF Pen Scan Plus, the app for mobile scanning and OCR from our friends over at Smile. It allows you to scan documents, use OCR directly from your iPhone and iPad camera as well. This is really powerful stuff. It's a super lovely app. Uh, It's really beautiful, but more importantly, it's something that's always in your pocket. It's always with you. PDF Pen Scan Plus 2.0 has been released just a few weeks ago, and it's a free upgrade for existing users. And now it can help you blast through stacks of documents and receipts better than ever before. PDF Pen Scan Plus now automates capturing an image, cropping it, and setting the size and color depth of the scan all automatically. It takes all the taps out of the scanning process so that it's much faster and easy to use. And you're just absolute breeze. It's absolutely fantastic. You just 
just point your phone at what you want to scan and it does everything for you. And then you can combine this with the on-device OCR so you can maybe grab the text of your scan and copy it into another app. Um, it, the OCR can also uh, name files by date automatically for you, which is very fancy. And when you combine all of this stuff with iCloud and Dropbox as well, you'll be able to scan this stuff and you'll be able to send it up to the cloud and you can access it from any of your devices anytime you want. PDF Pen Scan Plus is now available in the PDF Business Kit Bundle from Smile, along with PDF Pen for iPad and iPhone for $21.99 for both apps. Alone, PDF Pen Scan Plus $6.99 and PDF Pen for iPad and iPhone is $19.99 in dollars. So really, you should I think you should get them all because I love PDF Pen for iPad and iPhone as well. So if you imagine with PDF Pen Scan Plus, you can take a picture of something and you can scan it, make it a PDF, and then with PDF Pen, you can sign it and do all the amazing stuff that you need to do with it there and you can share it with all of your devices it's a a real massive awesome pdf pen suite for your iphone and ipad the best scanner is the one that's with you so go grab pdf pen scan plus from the app store today you can learn more at smilesoftware.com slash connected so mr federico vatici hi um, I have a couple of things here that I would like to ask you about because uh, you are a okay. man, a man in, in the know, as it were. Um, work, Am I? I think so. Uh, our friends over at Workflow have announced something pretty cool today. Yeah. What is uh, it? Workflow is coming to the Apple Watch. So you will soon be able to uh, run workflows directly from your wrist, Michael. Yeah. Have you ever wanted to be some kind of special agent? Uh, going around with workflows on your on your watch. Well, I mean, now I can make my usual special special agent work more special. Yeah. Uh, so workflow will be, of course, a watch kit uh, app for the watch, uh, which means it'll only be capable of uh, running workflows that you keep on your iPhone. So the workflows that you create in workflow for iPhone, they will be accessible from the from the watch app. So what, uh, something pretty cool that uh, the Workflow team is doing for this release is uh, uh, because not every action uh, from the iPhone can be executed natively on the, on the Apple Watch, they have built a system that basically whenever a, work, a workflow cannot be finished on the watch, it'll be automatically handed off to, to the iPhone using handoff. Uh, so you don't have to do anything, it just happens automatically, which is pretty cool, I think. Um, what's also nice is that it, uh, you'll be able to uh, use a glance to, um, to, to basically use wipe up from the, from the watch face and you get to the workflow glance and you can just tap a workflow and it'll run on your iPhone and you will see the entire, you know, the, the chains uh, of actions on the watch. So this is pretty cool, and of course, workflow on the watch cannot, you know, access all the uh, all the native uh, features of the of the device, like um, the heart rate monitor, the force touch, uh, you know, the, the kind of stuff that is still not open to watch kit apps and to watch developers right now. Uh, they can do some kind of native integration. They can, for example. Uh, workflows that you have on your iPhone they use the Apple Maps app they'll they will 
you know, they will get the ability to open the native maps directions on the watch. So there's some kind of native integration. Uh, there will be, of course, I, I'm guessing more coming as, you know, Apple does a native SDK for the watch. In the meantime, this is really, really cool. And I just love the idea of tapping a workflow on my, on my wrist and, you know, having it execute on my phone. I'm kind of concerned about performance, you know, because when it comes to workflows, uh, I really want them to be fast. Otherwise, you know, the, the entire point of uh, automating tasks is some somewhat, you know, made useless by slowness. So I'm hoping that performance will be okay. Uh, because if you if you make you know workflow about convenience, that convenience need, needs to be fast. So we'll see we'll see when the watch comes. Uh, in the meantime, yes, this is you know pretty cool, and I'm excited. I also saw today uh, One Password as well have announced their details of a watch app, which looks pretty yeah. nice. I, I mean, the, I, the, I would like to see more details from them. Uh, but one thing that I quite like the look of is, and one of the best ways I think they illustrate it is like um, they have a, a lady at the gym and she can bring up the combination for her gym locker uh, on her watch, which is useful for me because I can never remember the the um, code to get into my co-working space. Mm-hmm. So I always bring it up on my phone to check, but it would be kind of nice if I was able to just bring it up real quickly on uh, my watch. But I'm just wondering, like a lot of that stuff, like how many taps is it going to take yeah. um, to get through to these some, to these things? So I'm excited to see more more about that as well. Um, but yeah, that's another one. I mean, I'm, I like that we're seeing this stuff now, now because you can kind of see how these companies are thinking uh which makes me think oh you know you know when we were talking about like um we don't even we we can't even foresee what developers will do with this stuff right and how that that's what makes it exciting and and this these are a couple of those things that i didn't really expect i didn't think that we would have a workflows app and i didn't think we'd have one password either um so seeing how these developers use the apple watch could be really cool um and i'm i'm really excited about that yeah, I mean, I really want one password to to put my one-time passwords on my watch. So because apparently they, they, not... that is one thing that they're doing. It's in it's in it was in the blog post, I think. It said yeah, because you can basically if you go to the to the. Uh, uh, the version 5.4, which is already on the App Store, you can enable an Apple Watch uh, setting in the Pro version. So once you do, you get this special like add to Apple Watch option for each entry in your One Password database. Oh, so okay. It's like a bookmark system. That makes so you basically, way more sense. Yeah, it's and it seems in theory really nice because you can go to any item like a login a credit card you can go to a secure note you can just pin it to the apple watch and you will get it in this set of bookmarks on the watch which seems nice because it means i can just you know select a couple of logins maybe a couple of passwords and i j- can just decide to keep those on the watch which makes sense because if i want the f- if i want the full one password app i just open the iphone uh so yeah it, it is exciting uh just going back to workflow for a moment. I've just gone to the App Store to to update, and they have they have a post Slack action. Oh yeah, they oh. do now. It's uh, it's the one point two version from the App Store this today. Makes me very happy. <laughs> <laughs> Does it mean you will you will soon be making uh, Slack workflows? I'm just gonna be posting everything to Slack now. 
do you remember when you went crazy with workflow and you were like uh, i messaging me about actions and stuff yeah i feel like i, I sort of miss a uh, workflow mike well i just haven't had stuff to build <laughs> now i have stuff to build because i use workflow all the time but i've built all the mm-hmm. stuff that that i think i need you know yeah, yeah. Oh, I use workflow all the time as well, especially from the extension on iOS. It's probably my most used extension. Me too. Uh, every day for, you know, the podcasts and Mac stories. Uh, it's super useful. Just now some we'll... simple things like having a page open in Chrome and then open it in yeah. Safari. Yeah. Like yeah. that is such a, you be, when like things like test flight, right? I'm, I'm in mailbox. I open it up. It's like, well, now I can't do anything. So I can open the link up in from Chrome in Safari. Um, also adding things to HuffDuffer, I do all the time. Uh, whenever I need to send multiple thousands of emojis to people, you know, like these are just the really course, important yeah. things that I get done with workflow. Mm-hmm. Um, one other quick thing I want you to tell me about Federico. Um, what what has happened to the music app in the eight point four beta? That came out okay. was it yesterday? Was it yesterday? Yes, last night at my local eleven p.m., which was unexpected, but still. Uh, this is how Apple does stuff sometimes. Um, there's a new music app, and this is what you need to understand. People are saying this is going to be the next uh, Beats music. There's no streaming component right now in the music app on the 8.4 beta. It's just a redesigned music app for your local music, iTunes Match, and iTunes Radio. But what you need to know is that Everything Apple is doing is in clear preparation for streaming. So there, I put uh, 8.4 on my main iPhone 6 Plus uh, because I also saw that there was uh, there were no API differences uh, from 8.3, which usually means they're just adding a single feature and everything else shouldn't break. So it, it appears to be mostly fine. And there's this new music app. So they're doing this new design, which I'm still not sure about. I mean, it's nice, but it's really different from before. And it's clearly inspired by Beats Music. So you get a mini player at the bottom of the app. Uh, You can tap the mini player to get to this new uh, now playing screen. There's a lot of gestures involved. Uh, For instance, you can swipe down on the now playing screen, like you can in Google Music, I think. Uh, You can swipe down to dismiss the, the screen and go back to your music. The main change is that there's just three tabs at the bottom now, and you can swipe across these tabs like you used to be able to in Twitter for iOS. You you were able to swipe between the timeline and discover, you know, uh, those are gone now. But you know, these gestures on the main on the main screen are used to switch between tabs. And so you you may be asking, so how do you change between you know artists and albums and songs? There's a new contextual menu which you can access at the at the top of the My Music screen. Um, there's a new recently added uh, kind of overview at the top, and the, the feature that really suggests this is going to be used for streaming is global, global search. So the, there's a new search icon in the top right, and this search view lets you look for anything in either into your music, so local music and iTunes match music, or radio. So you will get results for songs, audits, playlists, anything basically. And 
again, this just, you know, obviously makes sense for, you know, what, what, once Apple brings in music streaming, you'll be able to look for any song, whether it's from iTunes Radio or your music collection. Uh, it's a nice update right now. There's a lot of uh, Beats music kind of stuff going on. Uh, each album or each song gets a contextual menu that you can use to play next or add to app next, which is another major new feature. You can now manage a music queue directly on an iPhone or an iPad. And there's a lot of, you know, touches. For, if you used to be a Beats Music user, you will definitely see a lot of resemblance here. Um, but it's obvious to me that they're gonna they're gonna bring in music streaming. I'm kind of wondering where they will put the music streaming component. Whether it'll be uh, like a, like another tab at the bottom, or if it'll just be part of the My Music screen. Uh, am I the only one here with the 8.4 beta, Stephen, Mike? Yeah. Yeah. I've not okay. It. Yeah, it's a it's a nice refresh and. Of course, there's a few bugs right now. Uh, some animations are kind of glitchy. Uh, it's nicer than before, but it's not the real update yet. Uh, so we'll have to see when it's complete. Because right now it's kind of, it's the same stuff in a different view. It's kind of weird on the iPad. You can, I think they haven't decided yet. So we'll check back. <laughs> yeah, of course, as usual. Uh, we'll check back, I think, when uh, streaming comes out. Assuming it does, I'm, I'm guessing that it does eventually. I mean, but they've got to do it in a way where if someone, like like iTunes Match or, you know, photos in iCloud, like if you're not using them, the app still works and still makes sense, right? Because those things are optional yeah. paid services. So wherever they add it, it's got to make sense for people like me who aren't going to use it to still be able to get to my music that's local that I've synced over. And so I imagine whatever they do here, it will be it will be flexible in that way like they have other places. Yeah. So from what you've seen so far, um, is this the kind of stuff that you would want? Well, I'm not a music user myself because I I have an iTunes Match subscription and I have a couple of iTunes radio stations, but it's not the way that I listen to music every day. So I think once they do streaming, uh, it can be a nice app. And potentially, it, because of the native integrations that Apple has on iOS, such as Siri, or, you know, uh, be able to control music from other apps, I think someday this can potentially become my, my only music service. Uh, right now, I'm kind of, you know, there's a bunch of things that I don't really like. Uh, I think the interface needs to be cleaned up a little. There's potential, you know, um, for me right now, it's just a nicer design. Uh, f and, and I feel like my opinion isn't well informed because I don't rely on music every day. If you ask someone like Steven, you know, he, he listens to all his music in, in the in iTunes and the music app on iOS, it'll have a different opinion than mine. It's nicer. And I think Apple is getting on board with some, you know, some modern trends in music app design such as the swipe down gesture to uh to dismiss the mini player the mini player itself which is very much reminiscent of you know um spotify google music every music streaming app at this point there's a bunch of uh 
um, graphical transitions with the blurs and you know the the title bars that Apple is doing, which are also kind of similar to Twitter, uh, RDO, and other other modern apps. So it seems to me that Apple is kind of refreshing and modernizing the music app. I'm just not sure for myself because I don't you know all my music is listen to using uh, music streaming services. So I'm not sure uh, whether my take on this is, uh, you know, uh, the, the one that you want <laughs> that you want to listen to. It's nicer, just not really done yet. Okay, cool. Yeah. So um, last week we started speaking about the uh, Steve Jobs book and I know, Stephen, you only kind of got about halfway through what you wanted to talk about. So uh, I figured you'd maybe want to finish that off this week. So before we do that, let me thank our third and final sponsor this week. I'd like to welcome back Wealthfront, the automated investment service that makes it easy to invest your money the right way. Wealthfront's software manages your money using investment strategies that were previously only available to the wealthiest of investors for just one quarter of the cost of using a traditional advisor. This is what Wealthfront puts in your hands. Wealthfront monitors your account 24-7, automatically rebalancing your portfolio, reinvesting dividends, and working hard to maximize your after-tax returns. Wealthfront is overseen by a team of investment experts. These are people that were behind the index fund revolution, and they've written some of the most important books in finance. In case you're not convinced, you should know that Wealthfront manages over $2 billion in client assets, and a saved millions of dollars on taxes for its clients. So with Wealthfront watching over your investments every day, what will you do with all your extra time? Visit Wealthfront.com to get your first $10,000 managed for free. Wealthfront Inc. is an SEC-registered investment advisor. Brokerage services are offered through Wealthfront Brokerage Corporation, member FINRA and SIPC. This is not a solicitation to buy or sell securities. Investing in securities involves risks, and there is possibility of losing money. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Please visit Wealthfront.com to read their full disclosure. Thank you so much to Wealthfront for their support of this episode. Guys, a quick aside before Stephen talks about the book. Can I? Just really quick. Please don't hate me. It's about teletext. Oh, no. It's oh. not so what? No, okay, listen. no, listen to me. <laughs> While Mike was reading the sponsor and he was doing his really fast voice at the end, I, I, I realized that I never mentioned, but the teletext was really nice to have subtitles for movies on TV. Yeah, Some... it, it was also the subtitle system was provided yeah. by teletext. Yeah. Yeah. So you uh, in Italy you we used to go to page 777 yep. and you you would get the subtitles. Yep. We had the same I think. I think it was 777. That sounds about right. It was a three three digit number high up, maybe 777 or 999 or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Okay, I'm done. Thank you. <laughs> no, I you can interrupt the show anytime we talk about teletext. We just said we weren't going to do any more follow-up on it. So we didn't break the rule. We put it at the end. <laughs> yeah. What would follow-up be called at the end? I don't know. Uh, uh, Follow-down. Follow-in. <laughs> oh, I think, so, I think me and Jason spoke about this at all. Like follow-on or something like that It was what we, we yeah. were given it a name for. It, anyway. make, it makes sense at the top of the show, though, because it's, yeah, the, it does. it's the glue. It's the continuity. Anyways. So last week, we started talking about becoming Steve Jobs. We talked about the book as a meta subject, and we talked about what the book says about Steve Jobs. 
Uh, and this week, I thought we'd talk a little bit about the two, uh, two of the three companies that really share the stage in this book. So we're not going to talk about Next so much, uh, because really, in the time period where Jobs has gone from Apple, the book focuses, I, I feel like, more on Pixar. Because again, going back to last week, this book is trying to tell the story of Jobs' arc as a, not only as like a, a figure in technology, but as a human being, as a dad, a husband, a regular guy walking around. And whether or not they did a good job with that, you know, we'll, we'll leave for, for the listener to decide. But in telling that story, they focus a lot on Pixar. And I was really glad to see that. Uh, I, like you guys, love Pixar, love their movies, love what they do. Really, um, I'm just fascinated by the the way that they make creative works happen. Mm-hmm. I think it's a lot there's a lot to learn from that. And and clearly Pixar and guys like John Lasseter uh had uh a huge impact on him. So becoming Steve Jobs sets the stage. Apple kicks Jobs out, um and they kind of dance around it. I don't know if they say it directly at any point that but that you know, maybe the fact that Jobs had adult supervision put in at Apple. So, you know, these guys are co-founders. They're in their garage. They're making these, like, boards with, like, their sisters helping. And they say, hey, you know what? We need some adult supervision. We need we need to find a CEO. We need to find some, some capital investment. We need to kind of let the adults do their thing. And we'll just be down here making products, right? That's what, that's what Jobs wanted to do. That's what Waz wanted to do. We want to make computers, make products. And let the business guys take care of the business stuff. And it it's sort of one of those assertions that's just left uh just kind of left hanging, like like Jason said on Upgrade a couple of weeks ago. Um, but that in Pixar, you know, jo- Jobs got uh, Ed Ed Catmull and John Lasser to, to help shape him as mentors, and that the adult supervision at Apple could never provide that for jobs. And it's Again, it's not really fleshed out in the book, which is one of my problems. But, you know, looking at, at what we know about Pixar, about how they they sort of give creative people the tools that they need and the runway they need to, to make something great. But there is a, you know, a strong sense of of product. You know, you look at a Pixar movie, it, it's somehow more than a film. It's a, it's an experience. It's a, it's the whole game. It, you know, it is a product. These, these characters the lighting, the sound, everything come together. And I think you see that in Apple when Jobs gets back. Um, and I know, Mike, you had wanted to talk some about like the Pixar part in particular. What sort of jumped out at, at you in the book about about Jobs' time uh, with that company? Um, I think it was interesting where they mentioned how Steve kind of had father, thi- father figures at his time through Disney, like working with people with Disney, uh, when it, especially when it talks about Bob Iger, um, who I did not know they were as close as the book uh, seems to suggest, um, which is was very interesting to me. Um, there, there, there is a I think a spoiler. I'm not going to say it, um, but there's a, a conversation between Bob Iger and Steve Jobs, which is in the book, which is very very powerful um, that you find out had occurred. It was information that I didn't know, um, mm-hmm. and and I was very very surprised that, that that was something that happened. It was also very interesting. I found the whole Bob Iger thing fascinating um, about all the deals that they seem to have done, and also I'm very interested in Bob Iger as an individual now. Um, 
because it seems like he was very forward thinking uh, and basically just just bent over backwards to to try and m- have a good relationship with Stephen Apple because he thought it was the right thing to do for for Disney, uh, which is really really interesting. Uh, I didn't didn't know any of that at all. Um, but I think one of the things that I found the most interesting about the whole Pixar uh, discussion is um, Steve's involvement in the building, the Pixar uh, HQ headquarters. Mm-hmm. Um, and talking through when um, our author, uh, whomever it may have been, uh, who went and had this this uh, meeting with Steve at Pixar when they were building things and talking through a lot of the decisions that Steve had made about the like the brickwork and and how he had been had you know had had that swayed and then like how. Um, Many people, I didn't notice. I've, I've, I think many people are familiar with the idea that Pixar's office is built in such a way that it has a big center atrium that everybody has to pass through to get to different parts of the building. Like if you mm-hmm. want to go from one meeting to another, you pretty much have to pass through this large atrium. And apparently it's where a lot of the business gets done because people talk to each other. It's where people socialize. It's where people meet and work and collaborate. And they say that it's part of the things that is key to Pixar's success is that it helps foster the culture in that way. Um, that was Steve Jobs's idea. I didn't know that. Yeah, it's it, it's sort of, you know, I work in an open office and there's a lot of pros and cons to that, but the big one is you can go up and talk to somebody and have that collaboration. But at Pixar, they kind of did both, right? They talk in the book. Um, and it's It's been in Pixar documentaries and you can find it online where a lot of the creatives are allowed to create their own workspace. So you might walk by someone's office and the whole thing is done up like a, like it's in Hawaii, right? With like palm trees and sand and there's a beach ball in the corner or, you know, people build like tunnels between offices. And so you still get that private, like intimate space that creatives crave so often, but you get all the upside of having an open office where, you know, you can have a conversation with somebody that wouldn't have happened otherwise that can make a a big difference in a project or in a, or in a work. And it's, it's brilliant. And I think, you know, I wonder looking at Apple Campus 2, if, if some of that is in there as well. You know, they, they've had, they have a cafeteria now at Infinite Loop. There's a real big one going in and, and there are some open spaces and just getting people mingling to break down those walls between groups is, I mean, I think Jobs realized that was a powerful thing. Um, but also I like how he had to be reined in because he wanted to have like one bathroom. Yeah, yeah, in the middle, right? So yeah. it's like, no, we can't actually do that, uh, <laughs> you know, with like, law and being decent human beings um yeah it's just it's it's nice you know there's a there's like a 30 minute documentary on john lassiter it's like a day in the life uh thing we will uh we'll find a uh put that in the show notes it's definitely worth a watch and especially i, I rewatched it a couple of weeks ago in light of this book right of thinking about hey this guy had a had a close relationship with steve jobs and you can kind of see where, you know, John Lasseter is going from meeting to meeting and, and dealing with the very details of a product. And they're looking at like one single word in a in a sentence that they need to change because of, of something happening in the world or sound or light. You know, these little details that what make Pixar movies so great, the same little details that make Apple products so great. And I think you see that like Lasseter's really consumed with all those little details, but he's not micromanaging them all. That he's letting the smart people be smart and the people who work hard work hard, and he's coming in and speaking his vision into it. 
I think you see Jobs do that a lot in his second coming, uh, second time at Apple of, you know, he's not designing the, the tiny little details, but he is definitely expressing his wishes for those details. Good stuff. So, yeah, um, I have to say that I'm, I'm still like an hour from finishing the book. Which is, I feel like I can't finish it. <laughs> like I want to, but I feel like I never get far enough. Um, yeah. But yeah, so what else? I mean, I see the big the big header here is Apple. Yeah, I just just one bullet point. Um, so really, I'll, I'll trim this down. Really, the the story that this book tells about Apple is that when Steve Jobs comes back, he does it, and he comes into a company that I think is very different than a lot of us think think about at the time. So there are a couple of little facts here that, that make sense with what we know about Apple at the time, right? That uh, after Windows 95, Apple wouldn't post consecutive years of sales growth again until 2002. And um, in that same time frame, mid-90s, uh, there was a period where Apple had gone from being profitable to posting a loss of three quarters of a billion dollars uh, in, in a single quarter change of 1996. We know that we know that story of you know Apple was was not doing so hot and and the truth is and I think this book shows it uh, from the next perspective is that Apple actually did okay for a while that they yes like the product lines got muddy but it really was the very end of that sort of you know uh, sh- uh, Spindler Gilamilio period where it really came off the rails. And the hero of that story is a guy named Fred Anderson, who is hired. He comes as the the CFO. And while they are hiring him away from a huge company on the East Coast, they are also preparing bankruptcy paperwork, right? Like, Apple's like, well, this guy's going to save us or we're just done, right? Like, um, and they don't tell him that until he shows up, which I find, like, sort of hilarious and horrifying all at the same time. I don't remember but, exactly what the, the, the numbers are or the quotes, but like it always surprises me. Like it, it goes on at that point where it's like he finds a bunch of money that Apple are then able to go and do something with. Like they they start a new project or, or something like that. I, I I'm sorry I have so little information. Um, right. So so he comes back and he gets what Fred Anderson works on is financing and he gets Apple's debt refigured or reconfigured. He gets some money in the door and that that work allows them to buy next that they don't have the capital to buy it until fred anderson shows up that was it it was like this crazy thing it's like we're about to go bankrupt we hire a guy he finds us enough money to buy a company like how big was the sofa that that change was in (laughs) it's huge huge (laughs) green sofa so you know fred anderson gets apple at least financially stable enough to buy next and and what's really interesting, and and even as a close you know follower of this stuff, I had sort of lost track of this. So they buy next, right? And the the this book and a couple other books sort of point at like the next employees weren't super thrilled about this because in their mind, Apple was the failing company. When in reality, like Next was also a sinking ship, right? These are two two companies that are in trouble. Next had shuttered their hardware division. They had a beautiful factory. They shut down. They're just making software at this point. It's not going super well. But, you know, so, so during the purchase job says, okay, look, my guys need to be running departments. You need to, to promise my guys they have jobs. And 
they're going to help you with your transition. But Steve doesn't come back. And Steve basically sits on the sidelines for six months. And, and the book goes into this in great detail of Jobs is wandering around his neighborhood, wringing his hands, not knowing what to do. He's calling friends. At some point, he calls Larry Ellison. And Larry Ellison basically says, I don't care what you do about Apple and hangs up on him. Like his best friend in the world is like, just make your decision up, Steve. Like, just make your mind. You could do what you want, but you have to quit being on the fence about it. And this takes six months. And when Jobs comes back, you know, he, he knows that he has to come back because Gil Emilio is bad news. And not the best CEO the company ever had, but but Jobs puts his sights on him and, and within a very short period of time does away with him. And Jobs very quickly starts cr- fixing mistakes. But if you if you read the book and if you look at keynotes in this time especially, it's very slow. You know, it's not like OS ten is out the door immediately. They're fixing OS eight, and OS eight is going to be a staggered release, and they're going to build up to OS ten. Now, reality, OS nine happened in the middle of that because it took longer. Um, they deal with the hardware. You know, he goes in. There's the, the famous meeting of Johnny Ive, who's thinking about quitting, and he's like, "Oh, I have these drawings of this computer. What if we made it translucent and the world is saved?" <laughs> but it's very deliberate and very. It's very slow. Like the. Jobs coming back to Apple, Jobs putting Apple on the right track takes a long time. And when you compare and contrast that to the Jobs of the 80s who is yelling at people and firing them and making very rash decisions, clearly the arc that the book is trying to paint is true to a degree. That Jobs, while at Next and at Pixar, learned that decision-making is something that can that should take time and that you should have people speak into it besides just yourself, right? That it shouldn't be a whim to to blow up your entire product line. Jobs canceled every, just about every single product line Apple had. Really, the, the PowerBook and the Power Mac remained, but all the consumer stuff gone away, you know, thrown away for the iMac to come in. That's a really big change, but it took Jobs a while to get there because he's being deliberate. He's thinking through, he's making plans. And that, I think, is is really the story of this book of the, and you know, there's lots of stuff in my notes about the iPad and other stuff. Like we see more of that uh, than we've seen in other books. I think that's really interesting, but I think even in those later stories later in his life, the story is he is taking more time to make decisions. He is being more deliberate. He is planning and he is not making decisions as that emotional young man we see in the first half of the book. Yes. There's still, Signs of that, there's still flare-ups. But overall, I think what the book is trying to tell us is, you know, he did mellow out. He did he did become more level-headed. And even in things like in 2000, 2001, you know, Apple pushed really hard into iMovie first, and it was hard to gain traction because, like, video cameras weren't very good, and, like, you're burning DVDs, but the iMacs don't have DVD burners, and there's all this weird stuff. And they come out nine months uh, after a Bill Gates keynote, where Bill Gates and Microsoft actually talk about digital hub strategy type stuff first, but nine months after that, um, Jobs is on stage with the iPod in September, September 2001, which you haven't listened to Connected Episode 1. We'll put that in the show notes. We talk about that keynote in depth and the, the situation, you know, sort of the, the, the landscape at the time. The iPod was a very fast product. The iPhone happened relatively quickly after they saw multi-touch and he said you know yeah we can make a tablet but oh my god we can make a phone let's do a phone and and that was relatively quick 
So you see him making these decisions. Once he makes them, he sticks with them. And for the most part, they're all the right decision. I think that's clearly an impressive track history that a lot of people aspire to, right? Like you see CEOs saying, oh, to be Steve Jobs. Well, that's not being angry and being a bully. That's making clear-headed decisions that are the right decision and the sticking with them and, and you know, following through with them. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I mean, there's a bunch of stuff in here. Um, maybe we can close out with the, with a, a story about retail. So Ron Johnson you know, came from Target. Uh, he hired, Steve hired him away from Target to kind of get Apple retail going. And there's, a, there's a great story in here in the book about, uh, it's pretty well known, they were doing mock-ups of stores in this big warehouse, like full-size mock-ups. You could go walk through the store and see what it would be like. And it is sort of set up by product, and then Ron Johnson has this idea of, well, what if it's set up by subject? So we have iPhoto, iMovie, all these things. What if the store mimics that? So I can go to the photography section and go to the movie section, go to the kids section, whatever. And there's this story where Jobs and Ron Johnson are in the car and Ron Johnson brings this up and they're super close to finishing the store plan. And Jobs is like, "What? no, like we have done all this work. You have done all this work. Don't blow it up. And they get there and in the drive, Jobs has changed his mind, made the right decision, backs Ron Johnson's idea. And that's what they go with. I just, and I love that story of like, he yells at him in the car and is like, oh, actually, that makes a ton of sense. And it's going to cost us money and cost us time, but we're going to do it the right way. And I think that's what separates Apple from its competition in all sorts of ways that the willingness to spend time and spend money and not be first to market, you know, the iPod, the iMac, the iPad, the watch, all of it, not the first to market, but arguably the best because of that. Uh, that mindset that Jobs drilled into the company so hard uh, during his second time there, because that like that that scenario that story I can see so many people reacting the way that Jobs originally reacts. It's like what what is wrong with you? Like <laughs> you have a job to do, which is to to build me stores. We've been working on this. We set up this facility. We're basically done, and now you're like, nope, got to start over. It's like that's this is not how this stuff works, you know. Um, and, and it would be so easy for most people to be like, well, that's going to have to be version two. We're far too long in this process now. Um, and s- such is life. Like, that's how you calm down and say, like, right, okay, let's get this, what we're doing now. Let's finalize this. And then we'll start planning maybe in two years' time. We'll refine this idea a little bit more and then we'll we'll refurb the stores or rearrange the stores in some way we'll find a way to make this work but instead it's like no let's start over like that's that's a big difference i think to many people i think i would definitely be in that first camp of like what is wrong with you why is it taking you so long to have this idea let's think about how we can make that work for the future like i think that's how i would originally think of something right that's that's a phase two let's get this product out the door and we'll evolve to that yeah right that's how i would approach it too i mean especially coming from like a software like design development type job it's like very rarely can i walk into a project and like blow it up very often it's iterative sort of constant change so it's it's bold to, to do to do that for sure i bet i bet federico would would take the steve jobs approach i bet he I would always do it the do. right way i knew see i knew it i knew <laughs> 
<laughs> it did take you a long time to finalize Mac Stories 4, so were yeah. you Steve Jobs in it, like, the whole way along? Like, three years? Just, like, <laughs> yeah. every six months, just burn, yeah. burn it to the ground! <laughs> yep, you, had some, you had some stuff come up there in the middle. <laughs> Sylvia has all the mock-ups and, and the, the screenshots of the stuff that I didn't go through with. And <laughs> just, I, yeah, that's what I am, you know? Sometimes it's not uh, like people don't like this you know just in general not just in technologies to take time to do stuff right it's it's complicated and it's emotionally heavy sometimes time is money uh, man yeah and also his physical well-being you know yeah um uh, still so federico how far are you in the book i, I know uh, you've been silent first chapter okay good 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 <laughs> what do you think of the first chapter <laughs> i i really like uh what steven talked about so if the book is as you know as good as the steven segment i think i'm into you know i'm about to to get into a really really good book uh I've listened to you know the two episodes, the two segments. Thank you, Stephen. It's been a, you know, uh, thank you especially for avoiding spoilers. Uh, that was really nice of you. It was tough. Yeah. <laughs> there, I mean, there's there is there's some new information. There's some information I've haven't heard in this way before. I think that's that's kind of the main yeah. thing. But I'm not at the very very end yet, either. And, and that's where a lot of it is. I mean naturally right there's 30 books about the last 30 years but only a few people had access to you know the, the things like the way they got multi-touch working and and some of that's in the isaacson book but again some of it's in a new light and you know I, there's been a lot of debate about the definitive steve jobs book right i got this long email saying yes you know that usually things like this is not a definitive book there's a bunch of books and you piece them together and you kind of sort them all out on the table and you get the whole story and I don't disagree with that at all. I think when thinking of a, dis- a definitive Steve Jobs book, what I want is if someone is getting into this and I point them to one book and say, this is the one you go read. And now it is this It is this book, you know. Uh, is that going to be true in five years? Is there another book in the wing somewhere that's going to be more definitive, be more exact, be more, you know, fair? Uh, probably. I mean, I, I don't think we're done reading new books about Steve Jobs, but I think for now, this is the book that sits at the top. You know, I've read the, I've read a bunch of them uh, and, and have bought a couple more recently at John Syracuse's suggestion. But I, I think that if you are looking for a Steve Jobs book to read, I think right now, this is the one one to do. Yes, it's, it's not perfect. There are flaws with it, but overall, I think it gives the best picture of old Apple and new Apple and, with access to you know current day Apple executives, you get you get that point of view at the very end of the book that no one else had because these guys had special access. And so I think for that reason alone, plus lots of other reasons, it's it's definitely well worth the read or or the listen if you're uh, if you're Mike. Have you ever read The Second Coming of Steve Jobs by Alan Deutschman? I have. It's been a a long time. I know I have not read The Infinite Loop, which I just bought. Um, I know that's a big one. I know Circuit Server has referenced it a couple times, and that's that's on my list. But maybe in the fall, I can't read another Steve Jobs book quite yet. I got my, my head full of the guy. You probably don't need to read the one that I'm suggesting, but um, I really have liked that book. I've I've uh, listened to the audio book maybe four or five times in the last seven or eight years. Mm-hmm. It's really good. The audio book is fantastic as well. 
Um, it's just a good book. But I think now th- that that one really, really focuses on Pixar. There's a lot of Pixar and next in there, but um, yeah. it's, it's and if good. You and if you haven't read Ed Catmull's book, um, we'll put a link to it in the notes. It's a super great book talking about the way that Pixar works, the way that they take these ideas and put them, you know, put them into life on the big screen is just uh, it's a really fascinating read. And it, it, it sort of does, you know, there's things that are glossed over about Pixar in this book that the Catmull book, obviously, which is called Creativity, Inc., talks about in depth so it's it's definitely a nice companion piece to this if not a great book on its own they're all in the show notes which you can find in your podcast app of choice or relay.fm slash connected slash 35 i think we've come to about the end of this week's episode unless anybody has anything more they would like to add good I'm good, Mike. Thank Excellent. You. Thank you so much to our sponsors this week, our friends over at Wealthfront, Smile, and Lynda.com. If you'd like to find us online, there's a couple of ways you can do that. You can find Mr. Stephen Hackett over at 512pixels.net, and he is at ISMH on Twitter. Federico Vitici is at Vitici, V-I-T-I-C-C-I, and he uh, writes the fantastic MacStories.net. Uh, Federico had a great post today uh, detailing why Mike was right um, about the 6+. plus. Good post, Federico. Thank you. So your iPhone six plus review, I'll put that in the show notes for people too. Yeah. So they can so they can they can they can read it if they would like. Uh it won't be news to listen to this show. I mean, you know, we all know what's you know we all know I'm right, but they should read it anyway. <laughs> yeah, I guess, yes. <laughs> they can get your finalized opinions, but they don't need the conclusion because they were you know, the conclusion's been foregone for like six months now. Everybody yeah, they knows. they know, they know. They know, they know. These guys, they're smart, they know. <laughs> uh, if you'd like to find me, I am at imike, I-M-Y-K-E on Twitter. Thanks again to Jason for joining us as well. Uh, but most of all, thank you for listening. Until next time, say goodbye, everybody. Arrivederci. Adios.